Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of Around the Slice. Obviously, we are done with in-season content now, but today I wanted to finally wrap a bow on the 2023 Buffalo Bills. So specifically today, what we are going to do and I'm going to present to you is my 2023 Buffalo Bills season review. I know we're all, for, including myself mostly, I know we're all frustrated. I know we're all pissed that the Bills keep losing the divisional round through the last four years, this and that. But I wanted to step back a little and take a wholesome, maybe that's not the right word, take like a bird's eye view, if you will, of the season as a whole. If you were with me last year, then you know how this season review works. But if you weren't, first of all, welcome. And second of all, let me quickly go over what we're going to be doing here today on this, again, Buffalo Bills 2023 season review. So we have three main components. First, through all the anger, the Buffalo Bills still did win 11 games this year and won the AFC East. So first, we're going to rank the Buffalo Bills wins from 1 to 11, 1 being most satisfying and 11 being least satisfying. You never want to say a win's not satisfying, never want to take a win for granted, but some stood out more than others for sure. And then we're going to go over some awards. I got 15 so awards here. And then finally, we're going to cap um, We're going to cap it off with some position grades all over from quarterback to coaching. That includes head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator. So without further ado, let's get into the Buffalo Bills 2023 season review so we can finally, finally move past the anger, move past the dread, Whatever feeling you're feeling, I understand, but so we can finally move past it and head into offseason mode, if you will. So, ranking Bills wins again 1 to 11. It's pretty self explanatory and straightforward. One being most satisfying, 11 being least satisfying. Uh, number one, most satisfying wins. This was like not really a debate for me internally as making this criteria here, but at Dolphins week 18, 21 14. I'm always going to say what week it was in the matchup and the score and then my reason. So at Dolphins, week 18 win, 21-14. Obviously, this win won us the division, won us the AFC East for the fourth time in a row, beating a divisional rival in primetime, a game that was flexed, mind you, in primetime, makes it even better. We're not going to focus on if scenarios, well, what if this happened, what if Bill's didn't. We're not going to do that. Um, obviously, like I just said, won us the division fourth year in a row. Dolphins really, really blew it. They lost three of the last five, got tumbled to giving up the division to us. I, 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 I'm still in shock. We even won the division. Like I go back to this moment, Taylor Rapp, it's a wrap. Get it? Whatever. <laughs> Bad joke. Um, Taylor Rapp makes the game stealing interception. He got injured on that play, but regardless, game-stealing interception. I was just in shock. We won the AFC East for fourth time in a row, and, like, Dolphins fans really, really get on my nerve because, they like, I don't want to say they wrote us, wrote us off, but, like, they, they like, do they realize, like, every time, whether we're home especially, but whether we go to Miami, whatever, we win against the Dolphins. I mean, it's getting to the point where, now this might be kind of a bold statement, but I'm not even nervous playing the Dolphins more playoffs, different story, whatever. But, I'm not even nervous playing the Dolphins anymore. I know it's a divisional rival, but like we, most cases we dominate them. It's really not even close sometimes. And speaking of not even close, my second most satisfying wins win out of eleven of the Buffalo Bills 2023 season is versus the Dolphins at home in Orchard Park, Highmark Stadium, 
week four, 48 to 20. I mean, Miami had just come off scoring 70 against the Broncos the week prior. So it was all riffraff from that. All the talking heads and media pundits. Well, is this the best show on turf or best show on surf? Um, because water, surf, whatever. Best show on surf. Is this the new Kurt Warner? Is this the best offense we've ever seen in NFL history? It, can the Dolphins start a dynasty? Blah, blah, blah. Is Tuka going to get a big extension? So obviously with all the riffraff of scoring 70 points prior to the Broncos, listen, that was the Broncos' defense. We knew they were gonna, not going to do that against the Bills' defense, and they did not. So beating them the way we did it was extra special because of that. Plus, dominating division rival like this could never be taken for granted. Let this sink in. Dolphins fans, so hyped coming off 70 points. Media, talking heads, ESPN, CBS, whoever the hell you want to listen to or watch, look at, whatever we want to call it. So high. I just mentioned how I think they were a little overrated coming off a 70-point showing against the Broncos. Even Mike White came in and threw a touchdown to Robbie Chosen Anderson in week three. We beat them 48-20. to 20. That can never, ever be taken for granted. I mean, I mean, that, I I will never forget that. I mean, that that it was just a beatdown by halftime. The Dolphins quit. At Chiefs, week 14, tw- oh, um, third, whatever, most satisfying win. At Chiefs, week 14, 20-17. Now, this was a high-scoring affair. Our offense kind of stole in the second half. But I put this at third because this win started our five-game winning streak. So weeks 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, weeks 14 through 18, we won five in a row to win the AFC East when the Dolphins blew it, you know. Um, and then seeing Mahomes and Reed specifically flip out about the refs after the game was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. We uh, had them so shook that they were flipping out and, you know, costing the refs. And Mahomes is going up to Josh Allen, worst Stephen Cole I've ever seen. And Reed is ripping the refs. And Mahomes is ripping the refs. How embarrassing. I just sat back. Bills fans, get your popcorn ready. The whole week was hilarious. And then Kadarius Tony, no one even the thing I find even more funny is no one's disputing, no one said the word Kadarius Tony. They just said the they just apparently were mad that no one gave them a warning. This isn't high school football, this isn't college football, or this isn't even peewee. This isn't your little pop warner league. This is the NFL. You don't you don't get a warning. Oh, just so you know, we're gonna give you a no, none of that. And Kadarius Tony, instead of being mad at the rest, instead of being mad at the Bills for God knows what, be mad at your moron idiotic receiver. I know that might sound harsh, but moron idiotic receiver that can't line up right? And he's not a rookie. It's his third year in the league, and I can confidently say he's a bust. I mean, the Giants gave up on him after just one year after he was just a rookie. Ooh, they got out of that quick. So, anyway, fourth most, excuse me, fourth most satisfying win for the Buffalo Bills in the 2023 season was versus the Cowboys week 15, 31 to 10. My reasoning is it was an absolutely, absolutely dominating, excuse me, one of the best teams in the NFL at the time. I know how their season ended, but at the time showed that we were back, fully back and truly belonged. And James Cook had one of the best games for my Bills running back I've ever seen hands down. I know what you're going to tell me in the comments or whatever. Well, Aiden, Thurman Thomas, and O.J. Simpson, I, I, I get all that. I understand Thurman Thomas, Bill's Wall of Famer. O.J. Simpson, Bill's Wall of Famer. Ring of Honor, whatever they call it. I'm only 20 years old. We're in 2003. So I was born in the dark years, if you will, of uh, the Buffalo Bills as a franchise. And James Cook it had one of the best running back games I've ever seen. 
that doesn't probably apply to my dad because he watched Thurman Thomas as Prime and Jim Kelly and all those guys over there. But I've ever seen personally. So number five versus, and we got our swagger back this game too. Number five, Mercedes Sangman for the Bills from the 2023 season versus Jets week 11, 32 to six. This was Joe Brady's first game as interim offensive coordinator. We all know now that he's now the permanent full-time coordinator. Oh, I almost forgot. I forgot to talk about the new coordinators, the Bobby Babbage and Joe Brady getting the interim tag removed. I'll go over that at the end. I was going to do it at the beginning, but I'm so excited for the season review. I'll go over that at the end. And Brady passed the test of flying colors. Plus, defeating a divisional rival is always good. Patriot Dolphins are obviously much better than the Patriots or Jets, but Patriots and Jets are still division rivals. Um, I know it was just uh, Zach Wilson slash Trevor Simeon in the second half, or Tim Boyle, I think it was. I don't even care. Whatever trashy quarterback they had out there, I mean, we folded him like a lawn chair. I mean, Rasul Douglas, this was his debut at the team. This was his first game as a Buffalo Bell, and he had two interceptions in his first game, so... Um, number six, another division opponent versus Patriots, week 17, 27 21. Now, listen, this game is way closer than it should have been, but in the end, we got the win. Plus, I'll mention him again. Rasul Douglas will always be remembered for having two interceptions in this game, one being a pick six. Who the hell knows if we even win this game without his pick six? You probably lose because we only won by six. You start off the game with allowing a return touchdown to Jalen Rager, of all people. A return touch, um, touchdown on the very first play of the game. But Bailey Zappi, you picked him off twice. You made him fumble twice. Just turnovers all over the place. We made Bailey Zappi. Yeah, I know he had a nice little two-game bump there with the Steelers and then the next week against the Jets, I think it was. But whatever. It's Bailey Zappi. Like, come on. Like, um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just a division opponent. I'll never feel better for the Patriots. But they always put us tough for some reason. And then number seven versus Buccaneers, week eight, 24 to 18. You won. Again, this was another game that came down to the very last play of the game for really no reason at all. But in the end, we got the win. Plus, winning in primetime is always a great feeling. Uh, obviously, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit calling the game on Prime Video, Amazon Prime Video. This game, I say very last play, and I actually mean it. Very last play, game of inches, because. Literally, Baker Mayfield threw a moonshot Hail Mary to Chris Godwin. If he had just turned around and caught that, game over. Bills losing a heartbreak. They're probably not even in the playoffs. Good thing no one turned around, but a Bills player didn't even touch the ball either. Like, Chris Godwin, Bills defender, Bucks, Buccaneers offense player, Bucks offense player, no one even touched it. If you saw that, you'd be very sad in tears almost. So, uh, week eight. Or number eight at Chargers week eight week 16, 24 to 22. This game was around Christmas time, literally two days before Christmas. So that was pretty cool. But this was another game that was way closer than it should have been. Notice how I keep saying this is way closer than it should have been. Came down to the last play. Bills played down to their competition. Like, I don't know if you realize that, but they're my team. But I'll admit it, they play good against they dominate good teams and then play bad or average same level against bad teams, but we'll get to that later. But once again, we were clutch when it mattered most and ended up winning to keep our playoff hopes alive. If we had lost even one more game, if we had lost that Patriots six-point win, if we had lost this Chargers two-point win, eh, you're done. You're probably, forget the division, you're probably not even making the playoffs. So just looking back the year. And then 9, 10, and 11, I mean, th these are just like whatever. 
these are kind of where it drops off. Like these are just kind of like not really memorable. But nine versus Raiders week two, 38 to 10 win. Dominating a team in the same conference as you can never be taken for granted. But other than being dominant and beating an AFC team, there wasn't anything from this game that really stood out for all. It's not very memorable overall. And then week 10, I'm going through this quick because, again, these bounce here like whatever. Uh, but number 10 or second le- least satisfying win, I guess you could call it, of the Bills 2023 season. Versus New York Giants, week six, 14 to nine. What a, what a, what a, just, what a weird, weird game. This is a game that we all just want to forget. Nothing was going right. And it was just a very boring game to watch overall. And it was an NFC team besides. So it doesn't ha- hold enough, um, doesn't hold as much impact, if you will. I know the Brian Dable revenge, Joe Schoen revenge. Yeah, whatever. But I, I don't know. Just 14 9 win and just, like a lot of these primetime games, the Bills didn't play particularly well in, and this game really started our like skid, if you will, even though we still won. And then the number 11 at Commanders Week 3, 37 to 3. Once again, a blowout win like this can never be taken for granted, but overall, there's nothing really that memorable from this game other than the defense making splash plays, of course. And there was another NFC team besides, and Trey White, Travis White, Trey White tore his Achilles in this game. Just awful, man. A 20 CL and torn Achilles, two out of three years. Brutal. Two years in a row like that. Man. Um, yeah, but I mean, I mean, the top eight are good, but these bottom three really kind of like nothing real memorable. So anyway, um, those are from 1 to 11, ranking the Bills wins from the 2023 season, from 1 being most memorable, um, most satisfying, to 11 being least memorable, least satisfying, however you want to look at it. Uh, comment. Down in the comments below, I guess this can be comment of the day. I should probably start like instituting comment of the day thing. I guess we could do it now. Comment of the day. What was your most satisfying win of the Buffalo Bills season for you personally? Even if you're not a Bills fan, I guess you can still do it. And what was the least satisfying win for you personally of the Buffalo Bills 2023 season? Okay. Anyway, now on to position grades. I know it's in the beginning, awards and then position grades. I kind of got that mixed up. <laughs> Sorry about that. But position grades, quarterback. After thinking about this for some time, I was originally going to give this an A. Then I dropped it down to a B plus. And now I finally say an A minus. When I talk about quarterback, I talk about Josh Allen. He started 88 straight games, longest streak in the NFL by far. Second is like 30-something, if that. Like, I don't even know who it is anymore. So A minus for Josh Allen specifically. Yes, I get he had 18 interceptions. Yes, I get he had a handful of fumbles. Yes, I get that he sometimes takes hits while running. I think the reason why he wasn't running as much after the week one Jets game, because first of all, he was, I don't want to say scared out of it by the coaching staff, but McDermott and mainly Dorsey kind of told him, dude, you, you ain't running anymore. You can't run anymore. But my thing was, Josh can still run. Like design QB runs, design QB power off the left or right side or whatever direction what have you is crucial for Josh's game. It was never for me personally. Now, you guys can know if I'm wrong, but I'm sure you'd agree. It was never for me personally about Josh running or not running. It was about taking big hits. It was about putting your shoulder down. It was about needing to go out of bounds when you already have the first down. Or if you don't have the first down, we can get it on second and one or third and one. You don't need to be taking those excessive hits. And I think it was kind of like neutered out of him, if you will, from Ken Dorsey and Ken Dorsey got fired. We know how that went. But with Joe Brady, it finally unlocked something with Josh. So he led the league in total uh, whole NFL, the whole entire league in total yards this year. 
passing and rushing combined. Total touchdowns this year, passing and rushing combined. He is my personal MVP. It's not Christian McCaffrey. It's not Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had 24 passing touchdowns that this past year and five rushing touchdowns. I don't give a damn what he did in the playoffs. Sorry to be harsh, but I don't give a damn what he did in the playoffs. Playoffs don't matter with these awards. MVP, all the way down, comeback, offensive, D, whatever. They're all voted on after the regular season before the playoffs. So in that little short weekend between the regular season and playoffs, they're voted on. So they know by now who's got what. But Josh Allen's my personal MVP. Kind of spoiler for when I give my awards ballot. Running back, A+. Plus. Originally I had this in an A, but I don't care about the other running backs. Latavius Murray, who cares? Damian Harris, probably walking in free agency, neck injury, shut him down. Ty Johnson, I do like as he was our RB2 next this year. James Cookville, again, I wasn't alive for Thurman Thomas. Not even close. OJ Simpson. Totally not even close. So James Cook had the best RB season I've seen from a Bills running back. I'm saying it ever that I've seen with my own eyes personally. Yes, better than Sean McCoy in 2015 in his first year in Buffalo. I'm giving this an A plus. I'll get to James Cook's stats later on because I do have him in an award. I just don't have him on the top of my head right now. Wide receiver, I'm giving it a B. This was, let's be honest. If you want to put this at B minus. Fine, but this was, I agree, like this was lackluster. I'm going to give it a B for the benefit of the doubt, but man, other than Khalil Shakir, who was a very nice rising young player and a very nice story this year, do you feel confident about any of these players from this past season? I sure as hell don't. Stefan Diggs totally disappeared in November. He didn't, his last 100-yard game was week six against the Giants on Sunday at football. What the hell is that about? Gabe Davis. I'm done. I, I'm done with Gabe Davis. The experiment's over. Let him walk in free agency. Let him get overpaid because of his size. And then Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherpy would kind of use this bargain bin values. We were kind of billed as <laughs> bill, whatever. They were kind of billed as and sold as bargain bin value veteran free agent signings. They didn't work out in the least. And then Justin Shorter had a redshirt year, if you will, on IR all season. So other than Kushkir, I don't feel great about this. Stefan Diggs is, was not clutch at all this year. I'm sorry. So I'm giving this a B. Other than Kluskier, my confidence level is very low. Like, do you feel confident? Let me ask you this. Do you feel confident about any of these receivers? We're talking about wide receivers. Not Don Kikir, Dawson Knox. Strictly actual wide receiver position. But any of these receivers are than Kluskier. It was a really good story. I don't. I went, so I give it wide receiver a B. I'm going to give tight end an A. I was going to go A+, but Don Kike was only a rookie, but holy crap, guys. What he flashed was awesome. I wish they got him going earlier in the year. I wish it didn't take Dawson Knox getting a wrist injury and being placed in IR to get Don Kike going, and I really wish they used Don Kike in the middle of the field more. They used him sometimes, but they used him a lot of screen game, a lot of lined up in the backfield stuff. I really wish, though, they would use him deep in the middle of the field, like 15 to 20 yards downfield even. His ADOT was a bit higher. But Dawson Knox was very disappointing for me this season. But I'm going to give tight end an A. I mean, <clears throat> whatever statistical category you look at, other than touchdowns, receptions, receiving yards, don't Kincaid is top 10 all time in that. I know Sam Laporta like, had one of the best rookie, top three rookie tight end seasons ever for rookie tight end. But, man, Don Kincaid's right there too. Offensive line, A-plus. Deion Dawkins. He was named an All-Pro. All-pro year for Deion Dawkins at left tackle. At left guard, Conor McGovern started out slow the first few weeks. He was getting pancaked a bit. Awesome. Center Mitch Morse, 
He is what he is. One year left on his deal. Please don't cut him. I know fans have suggested that. Awesome. Right guard, Osiris Torrance, Cybo as they call him. Osiris Torrance, yeah, he had a rookie wall there for four or five weeks in the middle of the season there, but he bounced back in a big way. And then Spencer Brown, I'm not saying at right tackle, Spencer Brown, right tackle, I'm not saying that he's our franchise right tackle of the next five to ten years, like I am with Osiris Torrance, who's a franchise right guard for the next five to ten years. But, man, I feel like Spencer Brown, if he has another um, – year like that next year in 2024 like he had this past year in 2023 then he's well on his way to a major payday um so yeah he's on his way to a major payday but we gotta first decide if we want to pick up his three-three option oh no wait he's not for something so that's Greg Rousseau never mind forget that said that um but yeah hopefully he can do that and the good thing is from left tackle Doggins to right tackle to um Spencer Brown the bookend tackles if you will they're all under contract for next year, so look forward to that, right? And then the depth, you've got Ryan Bates, who can play center, guard, and tackle in a pinch, not ideally. And then Ryan Vandemark as kind of a depth guy that we've developed. He could play tackle or guard, mainly tackle. He came in for a clutch drive against the Dolphins when Deion Dawkins lacerated his hand. It was disgusting. His hand was all bloody. <laughs> Moving on. And then Alec Anderson, too. Jermaine Fetty, whatever, but David Edwards is that jumbo tight end when they go 12, when they go 13 personnel with those big boys up front. Yeah, I'm really liking the starters and the depth. I could use another tackle depth, like a Donovan Smith, who's a free agent, a Jonah Jackson, who's a free agent, but we'll discuss that when we get there. Offensive line, A plus all around. Defensive line, B plus. This started for me as an A minus. I checked it down to B plus because Ad Oliver had a good season. But who the hell else stepped up in the defensive tackle room? Kona Ford didn't even play. Every time he did pl- the two games he did play, and he had a sack both times. But apparently, they like Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle overall more. And we saw without Ed Oliver, he was out for the Buccaneers game and out for the Pages game. And holy crap, there was nothing on that interior. And then Greg Rousseau, I feel like he's been on the precipice, if you will. He's been on the brink of breaking out for quite a while now. Two years in a row, breaking out now. Hopefully, he can finally put it all together next season. He's He was on a tear to start the season. Well, not like a tear, but for the Bills standards, he was on a tear to start the season on his way to his best season of his career easily. But then he got injured. He was playing through injury. Leonard Floyd, 10 and a half sacks. But the last month or so, when December started, he totally disappeared. Eh, we didn't hear from him anymore. So I'm going to give this a B plus. There were a few too many games where they kind of disappeared. And then the Chiefs sticks out to me were like Patrick Mahomes – this is just, like, an obnoxious stat. This shouldn't even be real. But, like, Patrick Holmes hasn't been sacked. Not once in his last four playoff games. What the hell? How does that even happen? And, like, he's not, like, the most athletic quarterback. Like, he can get done, but he's not escaping sacks like Josh Allen. He just extends plays, and his offensive line is really good. I'm going to give our defense line, though, a B-plus between our defensive tackles and defensive ends as a linebacker, whatever you want to classify him as. Linebacker A, for losing Matt Milano, that was a huge blow. He was on well on his way to another A-plus season, another all-pro season, I should say, rather. He had two wild, wild interceptions. I think in the Raiders game, he had this interception over Josh Jacobs. He literally mossed Josh Jacobs, the defender doing that. But Terrell Bernard, holy crap. Who's saying right now that they still prefer Tremaine Edmonds over Terrell Bernard? I love Tremaine. Endless motor, endless range, way bigger than Terrell Bernard. There's no denying that. He's 6'5". Terrell Bernard's 6'1". Matt Milano's actually 6'0". So, 
eh, pretty small linebacker duo, but if not one of the smallest, if not the smallest in the entire league in the whole NFL. But getting back to the point, um, Terrell Burnett makes more splash plays, way more than he ever did. I have his stats pulled up because he has an award later on, but I'm giving linebacker A and Tyrell Dotson. Ooh, PFF's um, highest-grade linebacker for a good chunk of the season. He can play weak-side linebacker and middle linebacker. And then Dorian Williams came in for some spot starts here and there. Uh, cornerback, I'm going to give an A. Kyrie Elam, once he was finally allowed to play in that Steelers playoff game, he almost had a first interception, but then he had an interception when we were up 14-0, and then we were about, they were about to score, and then we went four down, went up 21-0. We know the deal there. Kyrie Elam, when he's allowed to play, he's great. Christian Benford and Rasul Douglas, very underrated corner duo across the league. The question is, do you move Christian Benford to safety? I struggle with that, guys. I really do, because... If you move Christian Bedford to safety, that's great for safety in the future, but then you're taking arguably your best young corner, maybe best corner overall off the field, and Rasul Douglas isn't very athletic to begin with. Kyrie Lim is our easily our most athletic corner, but they do they really trust him? They've shown they haven't, but I'm giving the corner an A. Very few times where I was disappointed with them. Safety, lowest grade by far on this list. Safety, I'm going to give a C. Micah Hyde just fell off a cliff, man. I feel like he's going to have to be forced to retire with his own internal thinking, own internal body and body clock and all that. Because, like, every time he gets hit, the slightest of hits, he loses feeling in his arm, sustained a serious neck injury. I mean, only played two games in 2022, not this past season, but the one before in 2022 because of that. Missed a handful of games this year. I mean, not a handful, but three or four this year when he could have played. And then Jordan Poyer, you can cut him after. He didn't have a big drop-up, but he really started slow. He didn't get going till like, week four or five. But I'm going to give this a C. Man, these safeties drop off, especially Mike Hyde. Man coverage ability, not there at all. Athleticism, not there at all. Ball skills, that was arguably his best trait. Not there at all. Like, tackling, not there at all. And then coaching staff. Head coach? So, Sean McDermott, head coach. I'm going to give him a bleep. <laughs> I'm going to give Sean McDermott as the head coach a B plus. I would give him like a C, even C minus, arguably, if we didn't make the playoffs. But I'm going to give him a B plus because I feel like that, like, listen, we've talked about before the tie done 9-11 comments by Sean McDermott. We don't need to rehash the whole thing. But I feel like that lit a fire under Sean McDermott and his team. They rallied around Sean McDermott that week and moving forward. Won five games in a row for that. I think Ty Dunn's, like, Let's be honest, it was a hit piece just digging up dirt on McDermott. It's from 2019. No one cares about that anymore, man. No one cares what he said in 2019, jokingly. Yes, it's horrible, but no one cares anymore. Um, if you do, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, the hit piece, Ty Dunn's hit piece really ignited a fire under under him So, and his team. So I'm going to give Sean McDermott head coach B+. Offensive coordinator, A-. We are not doing Ken Dorsey. We're not evaluating Ken Dorsey. He's off. On the top, got fired. He's now the Cleveland Browns head uh, offensive coordinator, although he's not calling plays. Kevin Stefanski is. I feel like that's a very smart move by them. Good luck. Go ruin Deshaun Watson more than he already is. He obviously gets an F from our perspective that our, in Buffalo because he was fired. Okay. Offensive coordinator, though, Joe Brady, A-. minus. Yes, against the Chiefs. Was the running too much? Wholeheartedly, 100%, it was too much. First half, they were shredding the Chiefs. They finally adjusted. Second half, even though Chiefs were stopping them literally every other play, 
It's not every play in a row. The Bills are still going to it. I mean, Stephen Diggs' eight out was like four. Average depth of target. If you guys don't know what that means, it's pretty self-explanatory. Quick summary, though. Quick synopsis here. Um, it's basically how far their their receptions are down the field. So Gabe Davis, his whole year of career, especially this year, was hovering around like 15 yards. Stephon Diggs, I don't know what it was, but in the Chiefs game, it was like three or four yards. I mean, the screens were just brutal to watch. The running and the screens, the ding and dunk, and the you know not opening up the vertical passing game. Yes, I know Stephon Diggs dropped an inexcusable 75-yard pass, but Joe Brady, that's his only hit for me. I just That was kind of a bad gameplay, especially second half of that when the Chiefs adjusted. But he was great, phenomenal otherwise. So I'm going to give him an A-. Defensive coordinator, again, defensive coordinator Sean McDermott. As a head coach, he gets a B plus, But as a defensive coordinator, I'm going to give him a tick below at a B. So Sean McDermott, the head coach, B+. Pretty good. Sean McDermott, the defense coordinator, B, like solid. And he's slightly above it. Sean McDermott, the defense coordinator, gets a B because with all the injuries, he helped his team stay afloat. But the reason I give him his B is because he had Taron Johnson Islands against guys like T. Higgins when they were playing the Bengals. Devontae Smith slaps A.J. Brown when they were playing the Eagles. Um, what else? Jerry Judy when they were playing the Broncos, and he drew penalties. But what the hell do you expect when you have a 5'10 slot corner with Taron Johnson going up against six-foot-plus receivers with those guys who are way more athletic than him? I mean, come on. And then all-up blitz, that's what I didn't like. But what I did like is how he led his team through all the defensive injuries. Listen, against the Steelers, or against the Chiefs, what are you going to do? The week before, AJ Klein's literally going, getting ready to go to Siesta Key, Florida to go on a vacation. He sent himself to go on a vacation with his family. He gets called up, comes out off, literally off the couch, and has to cover Travis Kelsey in playoffs. Disaster. What do you expect? You have a rookie in Jordan Williams, whatever. You have to play Kyrie Lamb after he hasn't played all year. But I'm going to give Sean McDermott, the defensive coordinator, a B. Um, lastly here, we have our awards. Some of these like make sense. Some of these might not in your eyes. Like I have 15, one, two, three. Yeah. I have 15 awards here. I made up. Some of these are pretty clever in my opinion. Offensive MVP, Josh Allen. Like I said, I don't want to give it to Stefan Diggs because he like, I don't want to say fell off with that, but he wasn't clutch at all this year. Josh Allen's stats are as followers. Follows 66.5% completion percentage, 4,306 passing yards, 29 passing touchdowns. 18 interceptions, that's the blemish. 524 rushing yards and 15 rushing touchdowns. So I don't give a damn who says what. He's my personal MVP. I said it in the beginning of this episode. I'll say it again. I'll pound the table for it. I literally have a table, so yeah, whatever. <laughs> He's my MVP. Like the, He led the league in total yards, led the league in total touchdowns. Lamar Jackson didn't have near the numbers he had. Well, they were close, but like not really. And he was a way better pass than Lamar Jackson. End of story. Defensive MVP for this season. The Buffalo Bills, 2022 season awards. Ed Oliver, he had 51 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, his career high by far, 16 QB hits, three pass deflections, one interception, one forced fumble. The interception was like a corner making interception. He had made a one-handed interception falling to the ground against the da, 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 against the Patriots at once. So against Bailey Zappi, week 17, Bailey Zappi, whatever. But he still got it done. Um, at Oliver, we saw his impact or lack of impact when he wasn't on the field. Kuna Ford, they didn't want to play. Jordan Phillips, what the hell is he doing over there? Just retire, leave. I don't care about you anymore. Tim Settle, I really don't care about you anymore either. Um, without Ed Oliver, though, 
through all the defensive injuries without Ed Oliver and Taron Johnson. I gave Taron Johnson, spoiler alert, a different award, although you don't know the name of it yet, but I gave him a different award. Stay tuned for that. Um, <laughs> Ed Oliver, defensive MVP. Most underutilized player. I, meaning this is I want that them to get going earlier in the season. No fault of their own, but the coaching staff didn't really use him. Hilliard Shakir, he ended up with 39 receptions for 611 yards and two touchdowns. He had 44 targets, and he caught 39 of them. Let me see what that is. 39, 144 times 100. He had an eight, holy crap. He had an 89% catch rate. 89% catch rate. He got 39 of his 44 targets where Stephon Diggs, he had like a low 50 catch rate. That was terrible. But man, Khalid Shakir, the problem is he was underutilized because like a lot of Bills offensive players, they weren't utilized at all or properly at least until Joe Brady took over for stupid Ken Dorsey. Who got fired. Okay. So most underutilized player of the year goes to Khalid Shakir. And then rookie of the year, there's really no one in contention for this. I gave to Dalton Kincaid. Sure, you could say Saibo, Osiris Torrance, but like, how do you really measure up, a, like, uh, an offensive lineman, a guard rather? So Kincaid, seventy-three receptions, six hundred seventy-three yards, two touchdowns. The only thing he didn't do was uh, not have the touchdowns, which that's fine. Dawson Knox is your red zone threat at tight end, but um, he top three. In receptions for all time for rookie tight end, top ten in yards all time for a rookie tight end. So he, yeah, he didn't have as much as Sam Laporta, but who the hell cares? Like thirty-nine reception. Uh, what were the stats again? Seventy-three receptions, six hundred seventy-three yards, and two touchdowns. I'd like to see the touchdowns go up, and I would like to see him utilize in the middle of the field more. That's not his fault. It's just got to get his eight out up, maybe like fifteen to twenty yards down the field, down the seam, what have you. So yeah, but. Rook of the year, Dalton Kikade, easily. And then Houdini Award. Now we're going to some of the negative awards. Well, mixed, but mostly negative. This is a player that, um, this is a player that would show up for a game and then disappear for the next three or four. Then show up, then disappear for the next three or four. And I've just given up hope on this player. Last year was Ed Oliver because he wasn't nearly living up to that ninth overall pick. I mean, he is now, but. Um, but you know where I'm going with this. Gabe Davis, his stats were 45 receptions, 746 yards, seven touchdowns. If I remember correctly, I gave Gabe Davis, I don't remember what award specifically, but I gave I gave Gabe Davis, say that five times fast. I gave Gabe Davis Gabe Davis a negative award last year as well. Not this one. Um, but I mean your 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 time is definitely done, man. Like go get overpaid, go get your money, like. We'll draft your replacement. You'll dra we'll draft someone with a way wider skill set. You're a clunky route runner. You don't get much separation. You're a contested catch guy, and then sometimes that's even iffy because you drop the most easiest passes in the world or it goes bangs off your hands and an interception. I'm just done with Gabe. So, and 740, um, 746 yards isn't really wide, wide receiver two production. Not even, the bar has to be at least like 800 to 900 yards for that. And then I got your back award, Spencer Brown, in a fight. He's there right away. Kamal, guys, he's there right away. And he's improved a hell of a lot. I was very annoyed with him, just like Ed Oliver coming up to this year. He's like my Ed Oliver of last year where I was really coming into the season, not a fan of Ed Oliver. I didn't live up. Spencer Brown, same kind of thing. Now here we are. So I got your back award goes to Spencer Brown. Mr. Consistency. Now I have two 
guys here. These guys are tied for me. Mr. Consistency, week in and week out, they're not the biggest stars. One of these guys is. One of them is not. They're not the biggest stars. Maybe they start on the practice squad. Maybe they don't get all the starts in the world. But first, I got Taron Johnson, 98 tackles, three tackles for loss, one sack, two QB hits, eight pass deflections, three forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. Yeah, he didn't have an interception, but he's a slot corner. He's not that big, tall, lanky um, outside corner like Sauce Gardner or Patrick Sertan or Jalen Ramsey. Like, I know not talent level, but like he finally got the recognition he deserved. They finally added a, a um, proper slot corner position to the All Pro team. So Trent McDuffie got first team All Pro at slot corner, and then our boy Taron Johnson got second team All Pro at slot corner. So that's good. And then the other one I have is Ty Johnson. 30 carries, 132 yards, 7 receptions, 62 yards, and a touchdown. This guy started in the practice squad, and then when Damian Harris got hurt, he came in, and then against the Jets, he had his revenge game against his former team, and I know he left that team kind of on bad terms because they cut him right after he had a torn pack and surgery, so there was something, a fire in his gut, if you will, for that. But Mr. Consistency Award is a tie. It goes to Taron Johnson, who's more of a well-known name, but anti-Johnson, not even a well-known name. Mixed Feelings Award. This is a player that I've liked in the past, but kind of cooled off on. He makes some plays here and there, but then he frustrates me here and there. I don't know what to feel. Mixed Feelings Award goes to Dawson Knox. Unfortunately, he finishes here with 22 receptions, 186 yards, and two touchdowns. He was eating into Donkey Gate's workload in the beginning of the season because, again, um, he Donkey Gate didn't get featured until he got hurt. But 186 yards for a $14 million year tight end is kind of stupid. Like, ridiculous. Very stupid, if I'm being honest. You got to do something, man, more than that. I mean, I know he's our big blocker. I know when he gets – the reason I like him because when he catches the ball, he's good. He bowls in the end zone. He stretches over whatever. He's a much better blocker than Duncan Kate. Whatever. But Duncan Kate is a much more dynamic athlete. And I'm going to say this right now. I know people are going to kind of flame me for this. Don't kill me for this. But, like, I'm not a fan of the 12 personnel, man. For this offense in particular, I'm not saying in general, but for this offense in particular, I know the NFL is trying to be more 12 and 13 personnel with starting two tight ends or two running backs. Look at the Chiefs. They start two tight ends with Travis Kelsey and Noah Gray. Look at the Lions. They start two running backs with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Look at the Steelers. They start two running backs with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. So the 12 and 13 per personnel is populating the NFL more and more here as the years go on. So three linebacker sets for the defenses, but I'm not a fan of it for us because I don't want two tight ends on the field at the same time if it takes away from our slot featured slot receiver in um Khalil Shakir. But mixed feelings of where it goes to Dawson Knox. There's things I like about him, there's things I don't like about him. I do think he's overpaid. Probably like an 11, 10, 11 million W tight end is making 14 a year. Uh fan favorite award, another tie. This is the guys that get juice the team juiced up. This is the guys that just you can rely on week in and week out. They have consistent elements. They have character. They have gut. So Deion Dawkins and Reggie Gilliam, Deion Dawkins, all pro Reggie Gilliam, they got to find ways to get him the ball. Like he only had one reception this year for two yards. Like I think back to the Jets game, Reg the Sledge. That's his Twitter handle. And he literally embodies that nickname. Reg the Sledge, number 41, fullback, Reggie Gilliam. Reg the Sledge, Reggie Gilliam. Um, forces a fumble in the very first play of the game with the Jets. We go down and I think we got a touchdown on the drive. Yeah, either way, if you go touchdown, whatever. Uh, but these two are really embody Buffalo. So Deion Dawkins and Reggie Gilliam are named. Congratulations, fan favorite award for me. And then makes me punch a hole in the wall board. Listen, 
I can tell you this. I did not actually punch a hole in the wall, but I was constantly complaining about this player, rightfully so. I was constantly saying, why the hell is this player playing over someone else? And here we go. Makes me punch a hole in the wall. Why the hell was Jordan Phillips playing over Puna 4? I thought Puna 4 should have been playing over both Jordan Phillips and um, Tim Sutherland, especially Jordan Phillips. He would get boneheaded penalties, late hits. It had Oliver had a couple of those in not crucial moments, but regardless, he had a couple. But he backed it up with excellent play this year, all-pro level play. Jordan Phillips, my God, he was a disgusting defensive tackle this year in a very, very bad way. Not like disgusting, like you're disgusting, you're a great player. No, none of that. Terrible. Just retire. He did say, like, since his wrist injuries and concussions he suffered, like, he mainly the wrist injuries. He might have to retire. This might be at this offseason. Good. I don't care. Go somewhere else. Like, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, two left feet award. This is a player that didn't know what the hell was going on, didn't know what he was doing. And this goes to Von Miller. He had da -da 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 -da, three, three total tackles this year. Franchise cornerstone? Throw that out the window. Are you kidding me? He's still in a contract for four more years. When he first signed that six-year, $120 million a year contract, so $20 million a year, I wanted four years out of him. And then if we come for that, fine, whatever. Thanks for your service either. We got half a year good out of Von Miller. He didn't have a single QB pressure, a single QB hit. He was getting pinballed to the other end zone. Not literally, but you know what I mean. He's getting pinballed and double teamed left and right on guys. And then he's his spin move. He doesn't even have a spin move, swim move. He doesn't have technique whatsoever. And then he's rushing way too far upfield and getting out of his gaps and not run fitting at all and having wide open lanes for runners. So two left feet award goes to Van Miller. Congratulations. You didn't know what the hell you were doing all year. And then least valuable player. Nicest player even on the team. He broke down throughout the season. Latavius Murray, 78 carries, 300 yards, four touchdowns, 17 receptions, and 119 carries. Yes, I understand he was goal line back, but when Damian Harris got injured and Ty Johnson came up, I thought they should have fully leaned into Ty Johnson. Go James Cook and Ty Johnson and not Ladarius Murray. Not a single carry. I get he's going to pass pro, but Ty Johnson's just as good at in pass pro. And James Cook is way better at receiving. This guy kept getting receptions, and I don't understand why he got targets. And plus, he had a game where he had like a drop at third and two, and then he had it in the same game against, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, some other game for us ends the season in the same exact game. He had a drop in third and two. And then a, on third and one, he, he had a wide open lane that could have gone for six or seven yards. Yards. So first down plus, and he gets tackled for a one yard loss. He doesn't even do what he was brought in to do. So least available player, Latavius Murray, and the most improved player, you know, where this is going on offense. I have James cook, 237 carries, 1,122 yards on the ground. Two touchdowns and then through the air, 44 receptions, 445 yards, four touchdowns. I don't know if he can sustain the volume of that because he's only what, like 5'10, 195. So Devin Singletary not even didn't even hit 200 carries in a season. And he's over here getting 237, not to mention uh, 44 receptions. So what's 237 plus 44? Hold on. <laughs> 237 plus 44. Okay. Oh, uh, I actually multiplied <laughs> 237. Where is it? Plus 44. 281 touches total for James Cook through rushing and receiving. That's bonkers. But in the defensive breakout, Terrell Bernard, their most improved, Terrell Bernard, 143 tackles combined. Holy crap. I didn't realize it was that much. Six and a half sacks, three fumble recoveries, three interceptions, five pass deflections. You have a dynamic, elite coverage dual linebacker next year in 
Matt Milano, and Terrell Bernard. Hopefully, Milano will be ready for week one. So, uns- But next, Unsung Hero Award, Daquan Jones. We really missed him when he was out. So much so that we had to sign Linval Joseph off the street. He did respectable, but like Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips, what the hell were they doing all year? And Daquan Jones, he had 16 tackles and two and a half sacks in the year. And I didn't realize like he's always been an elite run stuff or elite one tack his whole career. But his pass rushing ability and spin move is really good. And then Conman Award, this is a guy that tricked us before the season. If you remember, I said, whether it was talk with guests, just talk to you guys in regular individual episodes by myself, I said Khalil Shakir would be the main slot receiver. Everyone else was thinking that Deontay Hardy would be it. So my Conman Award is Deontay Hardy. I didn't believe the hype really for a second. He only had 15 receptions, 150 yards, and one touchdown. Yes, I do salute him for the thanks for your service for the one return touchdown against the Dolphins that really juiced us going into the playoffs. But yeah, uh, best moment of the year, best moments of the year. I've got three Stefan Diggs spinning out of the tackle to run for huge touchdown week four versus Dolphins. I mean, Jesus, he put Cater Kogu in a blender and then Taylor Rapp game ceiling interception to win the AFC East week 18 versus Dolphins dubbed. It's a wrap. <laughs> and then Josh Allen, 52 yard touchdown run and wild card round versus Steelers. Holy mother of God. I literally, my dad can't test this. I literally put my hands on my head and said, what the hell just happened? I used another word that I won't say here for obvious reasons and purposes. Um, but holy crap, like what 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 was that? I screamed as I my lungs for like five minutes straight. I mean, literal buffalo in the backfield. In the most frustrating moments of the year, the Xavier Gibson walk-off game-winning return touchdown week one versus Jets, kick and cover. Kick and punt coverage units this year were a disaster. And then another frustrating moment, having 12 men in the field, obviously for the missed field goal on the very last play of the game, week 10 versus Broncos, although that did get Ken Dorsey fired, so whatever. And then always playing down to competition and injuries. Like I said, that six-point win against the Patriots, I felt like it was like 30-3 to the whole game, and we only won 27-21. And then the Chargers, we only won 24-22, and then – we lost the Jets in week one. We're just always playing down the competition. And then lastly, dedication team player award, DeMar Hamlin. I had this award last year. I'm going to give it to him again this year. I don't like, I'm going to go on what I think for a minute here. I don't care like what your opinion is, if he should win combat player or not. Like if you complain, like if you hate the Bills, that's fine. But like, don't hate DeMar Hamlin. I'm pretty damn sure that dying on the field for 10 minutes and having having to be brought back to life and having a breathing tube in the hospital for two days and then w- playing football, let alone walking again, constitutes comeback player of the year. Joe Flacco came out and said, yeah, DeMar deserves comeback player of the year, who's another candidate for it. He absolutely does. I don't care what people say, well, he only had two tackles on the year. Stop making fun of him. The best way I can describe it is he's a walking miracle. Those are just my thoughts on it. Um, So that's that was fun. That's my season review. I hope you guys enjoyed that. But as promised, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of my thoughts on our new offensive coordinator and our new defensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator, our guy Joe Brady has had the interim tag removed, excuse me, and now he's the full-time offensive coordinator. What does this mean? It means he has a full offseason to put his stamp on things because before he kind of took over the Ken Dorsey defunct offense, kind of like, frustrating offense and he had he could sprinkle in his elements here and there but he now has a whole offseason to not inherit offense but really put his stamp on things but he has a lot to figure out he's got to figure out 
couple running backs who are free agents. He's got to figure out wide receivers because other than I really want them to draft one around one around two at the latest. Good thing is this draft is chock full of them and different skill sets in terms of length, speed, whatever, and what have you. So he has that to figure out. I although I would not do the two tight end thing, like I said, but Joe Brady, permanent offense coordinator, really looking forward to him to put a stamp on things. And then Bobby Babbage, promoted from linebackers coach to defensive coordinator. I'm really, really impressed with Bobby Babbage because everything the guy touches turns to gold. Like, um, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer in 2018, they had one of the best seasons of his career, their careers, and that was when Bobby Babbage was their coach, the safeties coach. And then he, he moves down when his dad retires, Bob Babbage, Bobby Babbage, the son, moves down to the linebackers coach in 2022. He easily helped Tremaine Evans easily have his best year of his career and help them to get, I think, overpaid, but regardless, help them get paid in the Matt Milano All-Pro season. And then to, this year, Terrell Bernard and a low tool guys in like Tyrell Dotson and low athleticism and Tyrell Dotson and continue and develop Dorian Williams. Now, question is, will he be able to call defensive plays? I think if you're going to let a defensive coordinator go through the week, lead meetings, lead defensive staff, lead defensive players, if they're going to go through all that, then you might as well let him call it because I think Sean McDermott needs to be more invested in this team as a whole. I think he needs to be more invested in the offense as a whole. So I think you should let Bobby Babbage, now that he's named defensive coordinator, call it. And then a couple position guys since Bobby Babbage left. Not left, got promoted. Al Holcomb has been moved to linebacker coach, but last year he was just a senior defensive assistant. He was with Sean McDermott since 2000, in like 2015 and 2016 in Carolina with the Panthers in those days. Al Holcomb's got a ton of experience. He's like 55, 60 years old, I think. So, yeah. And then Marcus West was promoted from assistant defensive line coach to head defensive line coach since Eric Washington left to Chicago to be the defense coordinator. Anyways, guys, those are my quick thoughts on our offensive coordinator hiring and defensive coordinator hiring. It's great that they're in-house. It's great that they'll have fall offseason really put their stamp on things. Anyways, those are my – that's my season review. Um, This podcast, I'm really looking forward to what's to come. This offseason, we're going to have guests. We're going to have a lot of more creative and nostalgic ideas, but I just said special guests, and – we're going to have those lined up soon. And then we're going to have like looking at other teams. We're going to be covering free agency. Senior bowl just happened. So got that coming up. The draft grading the coaching hires in a video next week um, or this upcoming week, depending when you're listening to it. Anyways, guys, fun off season ahead. That's finally putting a wrap and capping the Buffalo Bills 2023 season. What a ride. I What a ride it really was. Ups and downs quite adventurous and i thank you guys for tuning in as always thank you so much for pushing the play button um i appreciate you guys for pushing the play button whether it's one person 10 people 100 people i don't care the fact that people actually want to hear my opinions about the bills and the nfl sports in general is awesome to hear uh so yeah look out for the offseason short form videos long form videos the stuff i just mentioned anyways guys uh thank you for tuning in this week and let's have a great offseason and come back next year Stronger than ever, and we will walk you throughout all the off season. Fancy draft, all that. Bye.